You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that, though, man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. To a shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Okay. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of the game. day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, it is a football Friday. We'll get the perspective from Minnesota. We'll hear from the assistant coaches, answer your questions via the Twitter mailbag, and preview the weekend that's coming up here in college football. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins Let's go ahead and jump right into my guest today on the show. Every Friday, welcome in an esteemed analyst, host, beat writer of the opposition, Luke Braun, Locked On Vikings, is my guest. And joining me now on the Drive Time Podcast is a former colleague, the host of Locked On Vikings, Luke Braun. Luke, you reminded me that your first week at Locked On was actually our crossover podcast for the 2018 Dolphins-Vikings game. Is that right? That's correct. I joined in the middle of the 2018 season, about three seconds before the Vikings fired their offensive coordinator, and I went to bat for him in my very first episode and then was immediately proved wrong. And then I think episode three was crossover with you. You got to put it in a trash can, right? And you got to record a new episode at that point. So you got you got your debut out of the way. Uh, I guess a practice run talking about the OC there. But um, yeah, that was a rough game back in 2018. I remember the Dolphins kind of got back into it with a Minka Fitzpatrick mm-hmm. pick six late. And then I think Kalen Balage opened the third quarter with a long touchdown run. And then things yep. went the opposite direction on us there. So um, hopefully, you know, for our perspective here, better luck this time around with you guys. But uh, I'm happy to see you're doing well, man. Your coverage <laughs> is some of my favorite when it comes to the Vikings and, and some of my favorite to follow in general. Oh, thank you. But let's go ahead and do some uh, get into the Vikings and Dolphins game here as we do weekly on our opponent mm-hmm. perspective podcast here. And I always start at the quarterback position. Where else would you start? Um, just kind of wanted to get your mm-hmm. take because we talked about this a little bit in DMs about how the blitz numbers have been a, a drastic turnaround for Kirk Cousins this year. I wanted to get your take on that, but also just in general, how is he kind of handling and operating this new system here under Kevin O'Connell? Yeah, so if you ask uh, offensive coordinator Wes Phillips and all the coaching staff, there's a lot of learning, a lot of figuring stuff out that's still going, and I don't think they've quite dialed in their blitz counters yet. They had a really big problem with it against the Detroit Lions, who are one of the most blitz-happy teams in the league, had horrific problems with it against the Philadelphia Eagles Week 2, and I think everybody has kind of seen that tape and is throwing a lot of blitzes at it. So I understand you guys like to blitz. This is a good week to blitz. Um, they, he just hasn't been... And, and some of this, too, is, is the scheme. They just haven't um, really had those counters dialed in yet. And so, yeah, the, the blitz has forced Cousins to rush through his process, and rushing his process has been the cause of a lot of mistakes um, that have really plagued the offense over time. And it's one of the only things that has been a cog in a machine that's otherwise been humming pretty good. 
Yeah, because typically, I mean, you know, the top tier quarterbacks tend to handle the blitz pretty well. I think the Dolphins have seen that, you know, early this year with Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen and some Joe Burrow there as well. And then, you know, going back to last year, it's kind of been, you know, mixed bag in terms of production with the blitzing game. And the Dolphins have backed off a little bit, at least in recent weeks. They're down to 27% blitzing right now. And, you know, given Kirk Cousins' experience in this league, I'm, I am curious to see what the game plan looks like from that perspective. Yeah. One thing we know is that if you want to beat the Vikings, Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook are two guys you have to find a way to slow down. How have teams done that, or have they this year? Yeah, so it's really been about what teams do with Justin Jefferson. Dalvin Cook has been up and down this season. He's dealing with a shoulder. He's actually kind of on a pinch count right now. I think that run game has been efficient enough, but it is not as much of an emphasis nearly under Kevin O'Connell as it was under or Mike Zimmer coordinator. Um, Jefferson has really been the guy. And the, the only way to shut him down, we've kind of seen a lot of everything. The Packers tried zoning him off and just kind of having everybody be a part of it and playing their zones. That got shredded. Yeah. The Saints tried putting a star corner right on him with no help. Marshawn Lattimore, one of the best corners in the league, wasn't enough. He still was able to get open on, in, in single coverage. Um, it's really what the Eagles and Lions did that stopped him. He got 44 and 14 yards, I believe, uh, in those games respectively. And what those guys did was they, they, the call for the Eagles would be called like Zeus. Um, I don't know what terminology other teams use, um, but it means cover two on the side with Justin Jefferson. So you call Zeus 18 to say cover two's on that side. That means safety is going to be on, on the top. Um, over wherever Justin Jefferson starts. He'll always have a deep safety. So whoever's covering has him has safety help. And then you have that corner play press man trail. Now that's got to be a good corner. For the Eagles, that was Darius Slay. For the Lions, that was Jeff Okuda. That's got to be a good one. Um, but you're playing like right up in his face, jam him, and then play trail position. So you've got an under and you've got an over, right? And the only way out of that is for him to run a crosser over the, the middle of the field. The Vikings will do that. And so you also have to have a safety on the other side poaching. So it's all like functionally, it's a triple team. They're selling out. It's a black hole. And you talk about like wide receiver gravity and stuff that shut down Justin Jefferson, but it left one-on-ones everywhere else. I mean, just do the math. You got three people paying attention to Jefferson, four people rushing the passer ostensibly that leaves four players left over and four eligible receivers. Everybody's one-on-one from there. And so can your other cornerbacks cover Adam Thielen or KJ Osborne becomes the question for the Eagles. That answer was yes. For the Lions, it was no. One-on-one. Yeah, that's that's pretty much a prelude to my next question about outside of those two, who do you pay the most attention to? Because like you mentioned, you know, Thielen's had so much success in this league. And that's that's really good stuff there from you, Luke. Luke yeah. Braun, our guest here from Locked On Vikings. Uh, you know, he's been a big part of, of the Vikings offense for years now. You mentioned KJ Osborne's mm-hmm. having a nice start to the year. Irv Smith, too, is a guy that I've always been intrigued by his skill set. Who do you think is the most... I, should, I guess the most dangerous threat of the rest of the group, if that is the case with Miami, if they're able to mo- remove Justin Jefferson from the game a little bit. It's been Thielen. Um, it's been, I mean, if you really want to talk about weapon and go outside the skill players, it's Christian Derrisaw. He's the guy that's been game, absolutely stealing souls. Um, but in terms of who you're covering, it's, it's Adam Thielen. He's the one that's been able to win the most one-on-ones um, against Detroit that took the form of forcing a lot of holding penalties. Um, but hey, he'll take it right automatic first down. But he's been able to to win one on one still. Um, the co- the comparison I've been saying all like since the off season for Thielen because he's not the athlete he used to be back in like 2018. But the comparison I've been saying and I, it's going to feel way different for you guys like specifically late career Chris Carter. 
My God, that's going to sing way different for you guys than it sings for everybody else. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, late here. career Chris Carter. Yeah. Open on every third down. Total monster in the red zone. Not necessarily taking the top off the defense or anything like that because that was back when the Vikings had like Randy Moss doing that. Um, but that's kind of the role that he has had. It's very much, there's a lot, of, it's very clutch. He's still very, very good. Um, but it's not, he's not the like total superstar. We got to double team him like he was in 2018, 2017, 2019. Um, but still you have to pay attention to him. And if you have a corner, if you have two corners that are good, this is what Philly had. They have two good corners. Um, then you might be able to keep up with him. But if you don't, if you're, if you're one of those defenses that's got their one lockdown corner and everybody else leaving Adam Thielen one-on-one with somebody who isn't like a, you know, James Bradbury, that was what Philly had, uh, might be in trouble. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, obviously Byron Jones is still on PUP right now, but Nick Needham has a lot of success in this league. Kater Kohu, our rookie UDFA, is playing pretty well as well. So we'll see what the Dolphins decide to go with there. It's such an intriguing matchup, and this, you know, this Dolphins secondary has just seen kind of a murderer's row right now of quarterbacks and receivers coming through here. I mean, Buffalo, Cincinnati, mm-hmm. the Jets are all of a sudden really good at receiver. Baltimore has their weapons with Lamar Jackson. So another test here for this Dolphins defensive backfield. And then on the other side of the football, you know, new scheme on offense, new system on defense as well. Can you kind of give us a crash course here, crash course here with uh, Ed Donatel, mm-hmm. what he's doing with the Vikings defense? Sure. So if you're at all familiar with what Vic Fangio did with the Broncos um, or with the, the Bears before that, um, it's, it's, that's the scheme. There's a lot of cover six or I, I've been trying to train my brain to say quarter, quarter, half. That's the, the better terminology. Um, but that's what it sounds like. It's quarters on one side, half on the other, or four on one side, two on the other, four plus two is six. That's what cover six is. Um, <laughs> and so that, that means, <laughs> get it. <laughs> uh, that means a lot more deep. Um, you'll hear broadcasters call it like shell coverage. I hate that term, but they, they call it like umbrella coverage. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of deep, a lot of, you can't take the top on us because we have enough people on the roof. Um, and if you catch a four yard hitch, you catch a four yard hitch. That's kind of the, the past defense. They're not very blitz happy. We kind of wish they blitzed more and I think they will eventually, but right now they're still getting their feet under them at Donatel uh, coordinator is under a lot of heat right now because the defense is not playing, soundly they're messing up their execution they're not hitting their landmarks properly they're not communicating properly they're busting coverages and because they have everybody up on the roof they they like to limit explosives but because they have everybody up on the roof that's less guys in the box you'll be able to run on them as well that's something the Dolphins got going last game against the Jets with Raheem Mostert going over 100 yards for the first time in his Dolphins career. We have Luke Braun here locked on Vikings talking all about this roster and kind of the scheme here as well. And, you know, one new piece you guys have this year that always intrigues me is Darius Smith. And then Daniil Hunter is just an absolute mm-hmm. monster. I'm curious about how their games have synced up together to give the Vikings a pass rush up front. Because as you mentioned, the secondary kind of having some new pieces working in the new system. These two guys have been getting after quarterbacks since they got in the league. Yep, and Zadarius Smith is a little more used to it. Uh, Daniel Hunter is in a new scheme, and you can tell. Um, he has not been as explosive, as destructive as we're used to him being. Um, he's like half the time running out of a, a rushing out of a two-point stance and rushing with different footwork and, and different techniques, mm-hmm. and that's new stuff. And he's very clearly like getting new stuff. The timing isn't quite as explosive as it usually is. And so he hasn't been quite as productive. Still a very good player. Still somebody you'd be very, very happy with if he didn't have the reputation that preceded him. Um, but right now you're not exactly getting, you're getting like 85% of Daniel Hunter, not 100% of Daniel Hunter just because of that scheme change. Um, Zedaria Smith has been very clutch. 
but he's also dealing with a knee injury, so he's also not 100% and that pass rush as a result. They, they don't blitz a lot, and they try to get home with a lot of four-man games and stunts, a lot of really fancy four-man rushes, and it has not really been generating a lot of pressure. I think as the season wears on, that will kind of turn around, but for what you guys care about right now in this particular moment, it's not the most threatening pass rush you're going to see all year. Well, I mean, again, again, I hope it stays that way for one more week at least, Luke. I know you guys probably will get things picked up here as we go along. Is long season, lots of twists and turns, and obviously, you know, teams with new systems kind of working things out right now, working those kinks out. My last question was about the secondary, but it sounds like you've kind of already covered that for me. So I'm going to go ahead and plow ahead to my final bit here, which is how I end all these interviews with our guests here on the Friday podcast on Drive Time, is the Dolphins will win the game if, and then also the same question, the Vikings will mm. win the game if, dot, dot, dot. Okay, the Dolphins will win the game if Skylar Thompson can make throws against zone coverage. Um, if he can, if he can move the ball that way, I think the Dolphins will be able to run the ball. Um, and I think if if you can marry that with a pass game, you'll be able to put up enough uh, offense. And I think if if the Vikings can contain Skylar Thompson. They had a real problem with that against Justin Fields, but if they can keep Skylar Thompson in the pocket and force him to make veteran decisions that he's too young and too raw to make, then I think the Vikings will win the game. So it really comes down to what they can force Skylar Thompson to do. If he can just sit back there and play the game he wants, it's going to be tough. But if the Vikings can force the issue, they will win the game. So it kind of sounds like your key is when the Dolphins have the football and the Vikings defense is on the field. I do think so. Yeah, the, the, the offense, Vikings offense will move the ball. They'll they'll get theirs, and they've been a, a better unit. And the defense has just been so inconsistent that it's just so much easier to believe in the Vikings when they're on. And I just don't know what we're gonna see. Yeah, I'm curious to see how you guys travel down here. I know it's a uh, it, it's a tough place to play. The weather's always a factor as well. And are yeah. you do you are you local in Minnesota? I am not. I live in Los Angeles. Okay, I was curious. But I grew because, up in Minnesota, so I'm familiar. <laughs> yeah, so the, I, mean, I know you know this then, because the weather this week, I was looking at it like 80 degrees on Tuesday, then like 50 degrees on Wednesday. That's that's wild to me. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Midwest. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We right. got a lot of Miami people, though. D- Dalvin Cook's real excited to play in this one. He's a Miami dot, Borden Rays, going to about a, have about 100 people in the stands. I'm pretty sure the last game he played here was the Orange Bowl in 2016, where he went nanners and ran for like 300 yards in that game against Michigan, I think. I, I could be wrong, but yeah, he's, he's a fun yeah. player, man. He's, he had one in Tampa, but against uh, Florida teams... He gets over 100 yards like every time, but most of that is college. <laughs> that is an interesting stat. We'll keep an eye on that in the game on Sunday. Luke Braun, you said it all, man. We appreciate you. Host of Locked On Vikings. You can follow him at Luke Braun uh, NFL on Twitter. Anything else you want to promote for us here, Luke? Yeah, uh, if you're looking for in-depth film breakdown, stuff like the what we were talking about with the, the safeties over the top and Zeus and all that, you can find patreon.com slash NFL where I do a little bit more of the uh, in-depth stuff. Just launched that this year. And he does fun things with the numbers in terms of the charge, too, with the numbers kind of relating back to the previous Viking scores, kind of trolling the fan base a little bit, too. So you get some humor and some mirth <laughs> in there as well as the uh, film. You got to laugh at yourself. You do. It's right. We I, don't I, have a ring like you guys, all right? 73 <laughs> didn't go as well for us. That's right. That's right. The last team we beat in the championship. That's right. Good stuff, Luke. Appreciate you, man. Have a good uh-huh. rest of your day. You, too. And there he goes, Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings, giving us perspective from Minnesota ahead of the Dolphins' Week 6 game against the Vikings. Let's go ahead and take our first break here on the podcast and come back on the other side and check in with the assistant coaches who spoke to the media on Thursday. We'll check in with Josh Boyer, Frank Smith, Anthony Campanelli, and Daryl Bevel. That's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's a football Friday, and that means we get to hear from the Dolphins' assistant coaches, starting with defensive coordinator Josh Boyer, who first was asked about the idea of how the defense evolves throughout the course of the season and having multiple years of continuity here within the same defensive structure and system with a, a pretty relatively pretty relative continuity on the defensive personnel as well. He was asked about that. Here he is discussing exactly what he looks at with his defense and how it evolves. And we've, we've definitely had a variety of different things. I think, you know, the way we detail and execute things, I think, can be better. Um, I think there's been, you know, um, certain situations that we obviously can get better. There's a lot of things, you know, and without getting into specifics on, on, on every single thing, because I think that would give you a, a schematic disadvantage if you went into all those. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think, you know, we, we've had a high volume of defense, so a, a lot of different things uh, that, we, that we've thrown at people. And I, I think that, uh, you know, us executing better, communicating better, and detailing it better, uh, you know, as coaches, and I would start with myself on that, uh, you know, I, I think that will allow us. And like I said, I'm really excited because our players, they're accountable, they're dedicated, uh, they're working hard, and we're really, really excited. And that's the beauty about sports. You know, it's not like, you know, especially we're talking about, you know, game six here. So, like, you know, when, when things don't go your way, and then you're presented with another great opportunity in front of you the following week, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a great opportunity. And that, that's what we're looking forward to. And then following up that question, he was asked about the complementary nature of this league, of this game, and how special teams, offense, and defense all work together to get a final product to hopefully, ultimately, get you into the winner's circle. Yeah, I mean, a lot of complementary football is really kind of, you know, field position based. So you, you kick the ball off. If they get a decent return, um, you know, that puts you a little bit behind the eight ball. Or if you start on defense and you give up, you know, a couple drives, then now they're, even if you do get them off the field and they punt, now it's a plus 50 punt. Your offense is backed up. So all the yards are, you know, important as you go down. And that's really how you kind of play a complimentary game. If, you know, uh, if the offense turns the ball over, you're able to get a stop on defense. Uh, you know, I, I think, I mean, you could go through the games and I would say, you know, all three phases, we're working, you know, hard to make sure that we can play a more complimentary game. And I think there's always, 
you know, from opening kickoff, there's always opportunities for each team to play complementary football. So if you kick the ball off and you pin them down and you're able to get a three and out or call it a four and out or, you know, you're out in the first series, then you're, no, you're not punting at midfield. Your offense is not backed up and then they have less field to go. Um, or same thing, if you can create a turnover defensively, then you're putting your offense usually in better field position. Now, if you create a turnover uh, in your, you know, minus territory, then you're really preventing points there. And then it's the offense, okay, they get a couple first downs. Now they can put the opponent in a, call it, um, you know, poor field position starting uh, point. We pivot now to offensive coordinator Frank Smith, and I wanted to play this soundbite for you because he gives us a great quote about basically just how you deal with the weekly roller coaster that is the National Football League, and obviously in this sport that is you know, tackle football where injuries will occur, uh, talking about the perception of having certain guys available to you, not having certain guys, and the, the quote that he says about when you dwell on what you don't have, that's really my favorite part of this whole thing, but Coach Smith is so smart and so fun to listen to talk to. That's wanted to go ahead and play the entire thing for you. Let's go ahead and hear him talk about Teddy Bridgewater, Skylar Thompson, quarterback position, and what I talked about there. The last really two weeks have been um, an interesting uh, time in the NFL, to be honest, uh, but also a really uh, a great time for us to really act upon uh, the adversity that the NFL provides uh, for this roster to really learn. Uh, nothing's guaranteed um, for everyone to maximize their opportunities. Um, but because, uh, I mean, if you dwell on what you don't have, you'll be reminded really quickly of what you won't get. And, you know, that's not winning. So our goal is always around here to focus on the future, focus on the present, and make sure that everyone that's active on game day is preparing in a way to make sure that they can uh, help us execute to win a football game. And then I asked Coach about blocking on the perimeter from the receivers because it seems like every week, whether it's Trent Sherfield, River Craycraft, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, the entire crew is making a nice block off the edge. Cedric Wilson, too, don't want to forget his name. Someone's making a nice block on a big running play or a screen pass. So I asked Coach about you know, an underappreciated element of that position, and if he could quantify the value for us of receivers that block so well. Oh, it's uh, it's vital. I think West does a great job uh, with, I mean, one playing the position at such a high level and then understanding how to execute the fundamentals on perimeter space blocking. Uh, Mike also, his experience, because, I mean, that's kind of been a hallmark of uh, their system of having uh, all skill players be um, good blockers and understanding um, that that element is going to help them get more opportunities on the ball with being good blockers. So overall, yeah, there's always stuff you can improve on. I mean, you never think, we never really think everything's a finished product, especially this point in the season. Uh, the growth is from week to week. I mean, there's obviously a couple blocks that occurred in the game on the perimeter that we feel that we could have improved on. But overall, we like where we're progressing, especially with, I mean, uh, you know, Tyreek and Jalen's production in the passing game, the, the fact of which that they strive to be uh, not just effective blockers, but excellent blockers. It's just a credit to who they are as players and who they are as men. Let's go back to the defensive side of the football here and hear from linebackers coach Anthony Campanelli, who just had a great quote talking about linebacker Alandon Roberts. Let's go ahead and hear that. I, just, I don't think you could coach. Uh, it was just talking about you know passion for football. Um, I don't think you could coach a more passionate guy than that guy. I mean, uh, I definitely talked to him more than I talked to my wife. That's, that's uh, you know, <laughs> but honestly, I mean that in the context that, like, 
uh, even when he's not in the building, you know, talking to each other about football or texting each other. And um, I don't know if, if uh, anyone outside of this building could ever uh, understand how much that guy cares and, and how hard he prepares. And that's one of the great things about coaching. you coaching a guy that's a pro. Um, watching him do his job every day is, is really cool and how passionate he is about just the littlest things. You know, it might be short yardage. It might be uh, whatever it is that week. You know, can you get a little bit of an edge with this alignment? Uh, is there any tells? I mean, he, he goes out there on Sunday, and, um, you know, he's definitely expended all of his energy, you know, in the week trying to, or, or to the best of his ability, to try and get ready for the game on Sunday. So um, I love coaching the guy, you know, as a human being uh, and as a player. I just, I'm very fortunate to coach him. Yeah. We'll go ahead and finish up here with quarterbacks coach and passing game coordinator Daryl Bevel, who was asked about the benefit of having the full week to prepare as the starter for Skylar Thompson, opposed to coming off the bench on the second play of the game offensively and trying to back up Teddy Bridgewater in that way. Here's coach about his quarterback making the start on Sunday, Skylar Thompson. You know, you guys have been around it long enough to, you know, as you as you watch practice. I mean, the starter gets every rep. You know, so for the so for the backup guy, he's he's getting whatever crumbs are left. You know, the individual periods, the scout team reps, and so it's it's always um, big and important for them to to get a full week of work. Uh, there's there's so much involved in you know just nuances of the footwork game that that we do, and so to to have that preparation and have all that time, it's going to be a big bonus to him. And of course, with Tua Tungavailoa returning to practice this week, Coach was asked about him being uh, being an attendant in the meetings this week, and he asked was asked about how Tua has been in those meetings. Here's Coach Bevel talking about getting Tua back in the meetings, in the building, and on the practice field. He's been great. He's been outstanding. I mean, he's he's chomping at the bit, and you know, he, I I think any time that uh, you know something's taken away from you in in any way, you know, uh, I think there's sometimes a you know. Uh, more heightened awareness of how much you appreciate something. And, you know, I think two is going through that a little bit. And of course, we are all looking forward to seeing QB1 back out there soon. And mostly just the fact that we see him healthy and happy again is always a good sign for a player that has an injury uh, like the one two ahead. So there you go. Assistant coaches, you can find those on the YouTube channel, their media availabilities. Let's go ahead and take our last break and come back on the other side and do your mailbag questions as well as the college three pack. Really good weekend of games this week in college football. That's next drive time podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield brought to you by auto nation. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what yeah. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Back here on a Friday edition of the Drive Time Podcast, the last segment of the week before we turn the page to Sunday and a game recap show after Dolphins and Vikings. That'll be for you guys on Saturday night. Let's go ahead and answer some of your questions via the Twitter mailbag. And the first one here comes from friend of the show, at Patty Perk. Travis, who is your favorite player that has come and gone since you've been with the team? Well, the answer to that is there are way too many to count, but I definitely developed a bond with wide receiver Isaiah Ford when he was here. We did a podcast about his foundation uh, back in 2020 that caught some traction, and after we published it, Ryan Fitzpatrick dropped a donation on the campaign that pushed it over the goal of the campaign, so obviously that means the money then becomes the campaigns or the, the foundations. That was one of my favorite memories of, of working here in general, but also just talking to him about life. Like it was never about football with me and Isaiah's conversations. You know, back at the old facility, when the pandemic changed things, they had moved the massage room back to where the media wing was. And uh, myself and some of the videographers worked back there sometimes. And we'd be walking out here and there and, you know, we'd see guys across the way and Isaiah would always come up and say, what's up? And ask how the family's doing, stuff like that. So Isaiah Ford's probably my pick there, but there are so many guys to count that it's it's tough to nail down just one even though I just did next one from at octo 84 we had success in the run game and IMO which is in my opinion it kept us in the game in your game plan are we running more or taking what the defense gives us uh yes I think is the answer to that those two kind of things work together right coach mentioned the two high safety looks of the Jets and essentially the only way you can get them out of that is to have success with your running game And then when you can get into short yardage situations, that's one way to potentially pull the safeties down to try to exploit some of those deep chances. We saw the Dolphins do that with those defensive pass interferences they drew in the game in the one-on-one chances for Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill because those guys are so tough to cover down the field. I go back to the Raiders and Chiefs game on Monday night. The Raiders took their chances downfield on some third and fourth and short situations as well. So situation definitely dictates things, but I think getting the running game going and always take what the defense gives you. That's a good way to have success. If you can do it consistently and stay patient that way, I think the run game is always, always a good path to victory because it just opens up so much more and it keeps you in control of the game and also can help wear down the conditioning of your opponent. Last one here from Cyclops TV. I love that at, uh, any word on Phillips and Ogba haven't seen much of them this season. I assume this is in reference to the sack totals, which is, I get it's important, but it's never really the best way to evaluate a pass rusher's performance. It's all about impacting the quarterback in the opposing passing game. But I think that comes from more situation and kind of the converse of what we talked about just a second ago with the ability to run the ball and better dictate the terms. The splash plays typically come when you get the offense behind the chains, and we just haven't done that enough. I know Phillips has a pass rush win rate that has been really good this year. So that's a better, I think, measurement of how he does on a down-by-down basis. He can just maybe do a little bit extra to finish those plays off. But typically, those high pressure rates will even out the sack numbers as the year goes on. There you go. Mailbag questions. We'll have a written mailbag for you up on MiamiDolphins.com as well. Let's go ahead and get to the weekend of college football. I continue to love this season so far in terms of the competitive nature of the games. Did you guys see that Quinn Ewers kid at Texas and what they did to the Oklahoma Sooners last week? My goodness, that was a fun game to watch, and he has some ridiculous arm talent. There's just a lot of talented quarterbacks in the college game right now, and we move now to a game between number 10 Michigan and number 5 Penn State. I just, I love these Big Ten games. I love the 7-3 slodge in the rain and the mud and the muck late in the third quarter before someone can maybe get that game-winning score. It's just, 
it kind of takes me back to the old school days of football growing up when it was tougher to score, especially in these Big Ten games. But these, there's a couple of prospects in this game to keep an eye on. For Michigan, tackle Ryan Hayes is a good-looking prospect. They also have a guard, Zach Zinter. Both those guys, it's, I mean, it's what you expect from the Midwest. These big corn-fed guys that can move people off the football. On the defensive line, Mozzie Smith is the same way. He can absolutely get guys uh, pushed back on the defensive side. And then cornerback DJ Turner, keep an eye on his game as well. Going over to Penn State, I know you all remember Joey Porter. His son, Joey Porter Jr., might be the best cornerback in college football. He has vines for arms. He finds the football and takes it away. Great in press coverage, can really disrupt routes and get timing off in the passing game. He'll be a first-round pick next year, I think. Wide receiver Parker Washington and wide receiver Mitchell Tinsley can take the top off of defense as well. So a fun game out there in the Big Ten. And then we go to the SEC where it just matters more, right? Talk about big games. Number three, Alabama versus number six, Tennessee. Is that right in the rankings? So the Bama fall because of the injury to Bryce Young? Speaking of Bryce Young, he's not going to be available for them. So maybe Rocky Top might have a shot to get, I, I don't know, their biggest win since Peyton Manning maybe. <clears throat> they also have Will Anderson, who's probably going to be the first pick in the draft from a non-quarterback perspective. Cornerbacks Eli Ricks and Malachi Moore. Nick Saban coaches up defensive backs as well as anybody in the business. And then safety Jordan Battles, one of my top safety prospects this year. He, The name Battle fits him because he can absolutely lay the wood and kind of set the tone that way from a physical standpoint. Running back Jameer Gibbs, he might be RB2 behind B. John Robinson at Texas. He is electrifying, man. He can hit home runs. He is quick and shifty in and out of the holes. He's a fun runner to watch. And then linebacker Henry Oto. I think I got that right. That's a tough name to pronounce, but he is an absolute sideline to sideline beast in terms of tackling at that linebacker position. And then Tennessee, I've heard this debate a lot about their quarterback, Hendon Hooker. He's 25 years old, but man, he is playing really well right now. And it kind of brings to light this idea about prospects and the, the age of maturity and you know how they're playing at a late age in college. Does it translate to the NFL? Are they done developing? Whatever the case may be, Hendon Hooker looks like an NFL quarterback. He is playing out of his mind right now. I would love to see him go in there and get a win for the Tennessee Volunteers and a huge, huge game for them. And then he'll also be throwing the ball to wide receiver Cedric Tillman, who has some pretty good game as well. We finish up with number eight, Oklahoma State at number 13, TCU. OK State has a defensive end, Trace Ford, who has a really good twitch and first step off off the football to disrupt the quarterbacks in the backfield only about 240 pounds though so I'm not sure if you know we our ends are typically 270 265 in that range so maybe tack on some weight Uh, Texas Christian wide receiver Quinton Jefferson had a monster game last week he is an absolute beast cornerback Traverius Hodge Tomlinson can play as well and they have a center Steve Avila who's about 340 pounds which at that position is incredibly rare he is fun to watch the way he carries that weight too because he can flat out move so good week of college football good week in the National Football League Uh, we'll be back with you guys here on Sunday night for the recap show the five takeaways here from head coach Mike McDaniel quarterback Skylar Thompson on that show as we do every Sunday of course the post game show on WQAM 560 with me Seth Levitt and OJ McDuffie Check that out after the game. Right when the clock hits triple zeros, we go on the air. All right, let's go ahead and get out of here. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and Juice, the post-game show on 560, our weekly Twitter spaces show every Wednesday at 8 o'clock. 
Also, the international podcast here on the network. We are in several countries now, so check out those guys on the podcast network. You can also check out the YouTube channel for media availabilities, Dolphins Today, and some drive time and fish tank content there as well. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline Daddy's coming home.